morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today we're looking at the question, has your love for Christ gone cold? The written portion, the blog essay, opens with a picture, a beautiful painting from Vincent van Gogh called Olive Trees, a series of trees on a beautiful hillside under a warm sun. It's a cozy looking picture and pretty. Did you know that there's a word in the New Testament that's used only once in Matthew 24, 12? The disciples had asked Jesus about the temple, the times, and when his return would be. His answer to them was the longest discourse in the New Testament after the Sermon on the Mount, the longest answer also to any question the disciples had asked. It comprises the entire chapters of Matthew 24 and goes on to chapter 25. The response given on the Mount of Olives is known as the Olivet Discourse, and it's about the tribulation period. It's also known as the time of Jacob's trouble when Jesus pours out his wrath on the unbelieving world and punishes Israel for the final seven years of the time of his decree, three and a half of which are called the Great Tribulation. You can see that in Revelation 12, 14, Daniel 7, 25, Daniel 12, 7. Jesus lists the conditions that will be on earth during the time. It's a synopsis of the lengthier descriptions of the judgments of Revelation 6 to 18, which parallel Matthew 24 and 25. Jesus said one of those conditions on earth will be, and here's Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Many here means the majority. Jesus means lawlessness in the spiritual sense. The tribulation will be a time when Jesus asked if even he would find faith on the earth. So few will real believers be, as Luke 18.8 says, compared to the numerous population that will revel in a false religion of global deception that the Antichrist will perpetrate. The Greek synonyms for lawlessness in this verse are disobedience and sin, the end result of a negative influence on a person's soul. Charles Spurgeon had said, iniquity is especially injurious to the growth of love. Now, it's an interesting metaphor, love gone cold. We often think of love between a man and a woman, husband and wife, in romantic terms, as fiery, hot, the spark, a fire is kindled, as the idioms go. When love dims between unsaved people, the songsters sing of love cold as ashes, or the fire is gone out, or the heat is gone. Of course, songsters and poets mean in the sexual love or romantic love sense, but it's a common metaphor. Love can be hot or cold. The unusual word 
Jesus uses here in Matthew 24, 12, uniquely for love gone cold is suko, P-S-U-C-H-O, with an accent over the O. Suko is used this one and only time in the New Testament. Now, Strong's Concordance defines it properly to blow, refresh with cool air, figuratively, or to breathe cool by blowing, to grow cold, or, and perk up here, spiritual energy blighted or chilled by a malign or poisonous wind. We know a malign or poisonous wind that blows on us Christians all the time is sin, the winds of sin. Now, in that verse, mean, Jesus means the love of Christians will go, grow cold. Love will be cold for him. Love will be cold for each other, which are a violation of the two greatest commandments. Charles Spurgeon preached in his sermon, a prophetic warning. What could not be accomplished by persecutors outside the church and traitors inside would be attempted by teachers of heresy. They have risen in all ages. In these modern times, or Spurgeon's time, they have risen in clouds till the air is thick with them as an army of devouring locusts. There's a side note that's apt for us today. False teachers have risen like clouds in the air, stick with them as devouring locusts. Back to Spurgeon, there are the men who invent new doctrines and who seem to think the religious of Jesus Christ is something a man may twist into any form or shape he pleases. Alas, that such teachers should have any disciples. It's doubly sad they should be able to lead many astray. Yet it so happens, and let us remember the king said that it would be so. Is it any wonder that where such, quote, iniquity abounds and such lawlessness is multiplied that the verse says, the love of many shall grow cold? If the teachers deceive the people and give them another gospel, which is not another, it is no marvel. There is lack of love and zeal. And that was Spurgeon. Sermon 3301, A Prophetic Warning. Spurgeon spoke more about the specifics of what causes Christians' love to grow cold. The Strong's definition interestingly shows us from this basis. Spiritual energy blighted or chilled by a malign or poisonous wind. Spurgeon poetically and theologically describes just how spiritual energy can be blighted. And here's Spurgeon again. Iniquity is naturally opposed to grace, but it is most injurious of all to the grace of love. If sin abounds in a church, it is little wonder the love of many should grow cold. Young members introduced to the church after a short time find that those whom they looked upon as being examples, are now walking disorderly, using lightness of speech and of behavior. Those young people cannot be very warm in love. They are led to stumble and are scandalized. Contrastingly, older saints 
who have for years held on to their way in integrity and by grace have kept their garments unspotted from the world, see those around them who have come into church, who seem to be of quite another race, who can drink the cup of Belial and of the cup of the Lord, who seem to follow Christ and the devil too. Seeing this evil, these godly men and women gather up their garments in holy indignation and find it difficult to feel the love of purer days. Oh, friends, if the frost of sin rules in a church, every tender flower is injured and nothing flourishes. Love is a sensitive plant, and if it's touched by the finger of sin, it will show it. The lilies of love's paradise cannot bloom amid the smoke and dust of unholiness. That was Charles Spurgeon, and he certainly had a way with words, didn't he? As I read the passage, I thought deeply about the theological definitions and implications of love gone cold. Revelation 3, 15 to 16 also speaks to this. I was noticing the devastating apostasy abounding, like the acceptance of gay marriage in a church, refusal to draw doctrinal lines between believers and unbelievers, refusal to rebuke false teachers, refusal even to recognize them, people seeking after pornography, ridiculous church services that are mere entertainments, I could not help but notice the rapid apostatizing of Christians, quote-unquote, and the rapid cooling of the world. Oh, church, where are you? Spurgeon said that a boat is fine, even when waters storm outside it. But when the waters breach and stream inside the boat, the boat is in danger. Now, it's the same with the church. When the world stays outside, no matter how the world rages and storms, the church is okay. When pollution of sin streams inside, while well, there's the danger, picture a boat frozen fast in the ice, maybe Shackleton's The Endurance. As long as the mighty ship bounded over the waves, she was okay. It was what she was built for. But once she became stuck in the ice and no longer moved, the ice builds up on the sides of the ship. It builds up and builds up, and finally, the ice climbs over the top of the masts. It pressures and pressures and pressures against her until one day, the icy cold broke a plank. And then the frigid water streamed in, and once it did, it formed more ice. The heaviness of the ice weighed her down, Eventually, thwarting her ability even to move, she was stuck. And then eventually, plank after plank broke and the water breached and she sank. In the blog essay, I have pictures of this. So you see the cycle. Love grows cold and that's because sin abounds. If not dealt with, this icy sin's fingers reach more hearts. The ship of the church grows heavy and stuck. Sin unaddressed allows more sin. And eventually the pressure of so much sin breaks a plank and the world streams in. And as it streams in, the ship of the church grows heavier 
and eventually the pressures within and without sink her. Of course, the true global church will never sink, but individual churches do. As we learned from letters to the seven churches in Revelation, listen to Spurgeon's pleas from his sermon again, A Prophetic Warning. As all the water outside a vessel can do it no harm until it enters the vessel, so outward persecutions cannot really injure the church of God. But when the mischief oozes into the church and the love of God's people grow cold, ah, then the boat is in sore distress. I fear that we are much in this condition at the present hour. May the Holy Spirit bless the alarming prophecy now before us to our awakening. And back to me again, how much more applicable is the urgency at this hour over a hundred years later from Spurgeon's warnings? Contrast the scene from Van Gogh's olive trees thriving under a warm sun to the endurance trapped and slowly sinking under a glacial freeze. I'll end with a short quote from Spurgeon. Go to your master and ask him to fan the fire within you to a great heat, that if there should be cold everywhere else, there may be warmth in your bosoms. The Lord help you to do this, dear friends, for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.